0: Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father before your throne I kneel in prayer. Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. I'm ready I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm, I'm redeem redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus, keep me near the cross. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus keep me near the cross. Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb. Working my salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Oh, through the Word convict me of sin. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. sin,
1: because I've been baptized by the
0: blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed redeemed by the blood of the Lamb.
1: Jude three. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Well, I feel at this time very similar to I think how Jude would have felt right here, at least in the the words that he voices at this, because what he wanted to write about, what he wanted to talk about was this salvation that we share and what I've been doing for the past few Sundays has been sharing with you some things that the Bible talks about with our salvation. But you might be wondering, okay, so we've already looked at what God did for our salvation, Jesus is the source of our salvation, what I need to do about my salvation, you know, what I need to do in order to be saved. But then you might be thinking, okay, I'm already a Christian. I'm already a believer in God. I'm already, you know, following Uh, What he wants me to do. I've already been baptized. You know, you you, you might kind of be thinking about these things that that you have already done. But that's where I want us to, to come to this morning and to think about. And that is, what about salvation after you have been saved? Now, at first that might seem a little odd, and let me make sure that that I explain what I mean by that. I mean that what does salvation mean for us after we have already become saved? You know, because there is this point in, in our history whenever we are lost, and then whenever we respond to the gospel message and whenever we are a follower of Christ, we are saved. But then does that mean the journey ends? No, okay? It continues on. In fact, I will remind you of something that you already know. When you look at the page of the New Testament, much of what we read there, it's different letters that were written to all these different churches. And many times, sadly, yes, we focus on the good things, but, but sadly, the reason why those letters were written oftentimes was because they need to be corrected. They had maybe sin that had crept up in the church and they needed to address those things. Well, that's largely what we sometimes need to talk about after we have been saved. Because the journey does not end with you being able to, to say, well, I am saved it continues on there's still a lot that we are called to do and in fact going back to the words of Jude you know the book that he wrote he wrote it and he wanted to talk about this common salvation but he says I've got to write to you about something different I've got to write and and make sure that we contend with this faith that, that we uh, that we contend in this faith and that we are uh, going to be able to to stand firm and he says look it's getting bad and that's, that's what many of the other writers in the New Testament were also saying, is that there were some false teachers that had come in in their midst. There's just some sin that had crept into the church. All of these things needed to be addressed, and they were. And that's what I want us to kind of think about and to look at today, is salvation after we have already been saved, after we already are Christian, what does it mean for us? And I want to share with you some words that we read here in Hebrews chapter 10. So if you want to kind of follow along, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll we'll kind of for the first little bit we'll be jumping around just a little bit, but then we'll kind of get into a little bit more of an of an order uh, fashion from this uh, this chapter right here. And I'm just going to kind of warn you um, some of the statements that I read about this passage, you know, in in preparing for this lesson. Um, th- they kind of said something that I started to realize myself as well. And and uh, after they said it, I, I realized, okay, there probably is something to this. And that is that these are some of the, you know, some of the strongest words in the New Testament are found in this chapter. Like some of the strongest warnings in the Bible are found in this chapter. Um, you know, the, the only other kind of warnings that are like it uh, tend to be from the words of Jesus. But it's just kind of how it is. I want us to go right here this is not a lesson that's going to make us all you know feel necessarily warm and and fuzzy inside but it's one that's needed it's one that we need to focus on what salvation means after we already uh, have been saved so hebrews chapter 10 verses 15 through 18. Uh, this is just kind of where we'll jump into the text and just kind of start from here and look at these surrounding verses we read right here the holy spirit also testifies to us about this first he says this is the covenant i will make with them after that time says the lord I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Okay, now the reason why I jumped right here is because I want us to understand something and I want us to kind of start on, I guess, a positive note. And that positive note is that when you look at this passage, it's about these prophecies that were leading up to the point of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Jesus has already made that sacrifice. We don't need to continue to sacrifice. That's what verse 18 is all about. See, these things, this sin, um, just as what was, was promised, their sins and their acts, I will remember no more. He says, where these have been forgiven. Okay, these things have been forgiven. These things have been dealt with. Sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. It's already been done. Jesus Christ did that and this is kind of going back to that lesson about how jesus is the source of our salvation but i want us to remember that i want us to make sure that we that we know that we also kind of found out at the very end of of chapter 9 even i don't have this on the slide but uh, you can just uh, listen as i read this the last couple of verses in chapter 9 we read that just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment so christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. It's a beautiful statement right there. It's talking about the sacrifice of Christ. He's already come and he's already been sacrificed to take away the sins. Now, whenever he appears the second time, he's going to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's kind of what we're looking at here in this passage. Let's see some of these other uh, verses that appear in Hebrews chapter 10 though. If you go back to uh, verses four through seven, we read this talking about how great of a sacrifice this is that Jesus gave for us. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And with that, Jesus willingly submit to this plan that God had. We also find out, going skipping on down now to verse 10, we find out about this will of God and we, the will that Jesus is submitting to it. And he says, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the sacrifice of Jesus. He's already done it. In verses 12 through 14, but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, talking about Jesus being our high priest, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So all this just kind of reminds us of this wonderful sacrifice that Jesus has given for us so that we can have life, so that we can be saved. Let's start off there. Let's make sure that we we build on that as our foundation. We recognize that as being this foundation. So what are some other things that we need to realize along the way? Well, let's continue in this chapter. In verses 19 through 25, we're going to notice some things that we definitely need to realize and we need to respond to. Uh, They almost kind of urge us to respond to them. That's why the the Hebrew writer, he says this in these verses, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So here we see in this section of scripture, some things that we need to recognize, that we need to realize and a response to it. What do we need to realize well that's why he says you know since these things are true in verse 19 he says since we have this confidence why do we have this confidence well we have this confidence because of the sacrifice of jesus because the blood of jesus we also find out in verse 21 and since we have this great high priest who is our high priest it's jesus christ since these things are so what does that mean about us how do we respond to that verse 22 It's some of these statements that the the book of Hebrews kind of tells us. There's quite a few let us do this or that statement. Well, we're going to see uh, three of them right here, Um, at least three of them. In verse 22, he says, let us draw near to God. Isn't that beautiful? Think about that. Being able to draw near to God. We also see some language, of course, in verse 22 that I I can't help but see. When you start to see about these hearts sprinkled and uh, cleansing us and then also having our bodies washed with pure water. All of this, of course, seems to be pointing to uh, our baptism as to how this this comes about. But we see this statement. Our response is, let us draw near to God. We can draw near to God. This is part of what salvation means after we have been saved. Verse 23, some other responses about this is, to let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. What does that look like? It means that we're not going to be We're not going to be straying to the right or to the left. That's kind of the language that oftentimes uses um, in the Old Testament, talking about following the law of God, that you follow it fully, completely. Well, we need to hold to this unswervingly. Then we also find out in verse 24, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. What does that look like? looks like we need to encourage one another. Looks like you know, we don't need to give up meeting together. That's part of our encouragement. In fact, I would say that's one of the most important things that we do when we meet together is to encourage one another. That doesn't mean that you always have to necessarily say words of encouragement to one another, just your presence being there, it encourages one another. And we need to be doing this and, and thinking about these things all the more as we see the day approaching. The Hebrew writers already said in the previous chapter that Jesus came the first time to deal with sin the second time, he's coming to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. All the more as we see the day approaching, we need to respond in these ways that, of course, make sense. But there's still also some more things that we need to, to recognize here. In verses 26 through 31, here we see the need to repent. And I know that, you know, you might be thinking, well, aren't we supposed to repent before we're baptized? Yes, we are. But repentance has got to be something that we continue to do. And we need to make sure we don't find ourselves in the situation that is mentioned right here in these verses. Verses 26 through 31. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely, Do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This passage, especially verse 26, tells us this need to repent and what that looks like. He says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. And you might be thinking, well, doesn't the sacrifice of Jesus cover our sins? It does. But here what we see is we see someone who is continuously sinning after they have received this knowledge of the truth, after they have become a Christian, after they've become a follower of Christ. We cannot deliberately keep on sinning after that point. Will you sin? Yes. Okay. The, The scriptures talk about how we sin. We also find out from the pages of the First John, in First John chapter 1, talking about how, uh, yes, we continue to sin, but, but God's grace, it continues to, to wash us clean, and we are, we are part of that family. But in this passage, what we see is someone who, who knows what they should be doing and chooses to do things a different way. If we keep on sinning like that, willfully sinning, then no sacrifice for sins is left for us. We need to take heed to this warning. This is why I would say this, this whole passage is talking about repentance. Because if we continue to repent, we are not gonna find ourselves in this situation. And you might look right here in verse 31. Yes, I know this is not a very warm, fuzzy type passage. In verse 31 especially, it says, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And you might be thinking, isn't God love? Yes, God is love. But because God is love, And because God is life, we see that he's also opposed to the things that are opposed to love and opposed to life that tear those things apart. He, of course, is opposed to those. So where do we find ourselves? I hope that we can find ourselves in a continual state of being willing and able to repent. Because whenever we are finding ourselves in a situation where we are willing to repent, then the sacrifice... For sins that Jesus has given for us, it will remain. I hope these verses won't ever describe our current, uh, you know, our, our own situation. These passages are just speaking of possibilities. Now, you know, we don't need to read this and just think, oh, well, this is only for extreme people. No, we need to realize it can be us if we fall away. That's why this whole lesson even exists that we're looking at what salvation means after we have been saved. The scriptures do speak about how you can lose your salvation. This passage even talks about that. But just because it is possible doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It just means it is possible. And here in, in this passage, we see it is possible for us to turn away from God. But that's not what we should be doing. That's not at all what we should be doing. We need to be encouraging one another. Okay, That's what the last passage was even looking at. Encourage one another, continuing on in this faith. And we also need to to remember some things. Remember what, what is to come. Verses 32 through 35. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. He's telling them that they need to remember these things. Remember what they have given up. Remember what they have been willing to give up. What about you and me? You know, he was speaking to the, the those who this book was addressed to. What about us? What have we been willing to give up in order to be a follower of Christ? Are we willing to give up the confiscation of our property? You know, Are we willing to, to give up our things, the material things right here? Because we know that we have a better and lasting possessions. We know that we have these great promises that we can receive through Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we also build upon this, the same type of confidence that they had. And let's make sure that, that we understand that we can be richly rewarded for these things. Let's remember these things. Let's put these things into perspective and continue to, to look forward and see Christ as our guide, the one who, who has paved the way for us to follow. Remember this journey and let's journey through it together. There's a few more verses in this chapter that I think are it's a great note to end on. Verses 36 through 39. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of god you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay and but my righteous one will live by faith and i take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but to those who have faith and are saved i hope this can describe us we see this this statement that is mentioned time and time again in the new testament The righteous ones of God will live by faith. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? This is what we are living in right here and right now. After we have been saved, that's what salvation continues to mean. That we are going to continue to live by faith. I hope that we do not belong to those who are going to shrink back and who are destroyed. I hope that we all belong to those who have faith and are saved. And if you want to know what that looks like, that faith that that produces salvation and leads to salvation, look at Hebrews 11. You will find a chapter that is full of faith like what we are called to have. And you know, in many ways, we're still continuing this story. We still are, are having this faith, continuing on this faith. That's what our salvation means today. That's what it's going to continue to mean throughout the rest of our lives. We need to realize these great truths of what God has done for us, the sacrifice that Jesus has given. We need to respond with these things and and being able to uh, also uh, repent of any sins that we might find ourselves in. We also need to remember to keep everything into perspective and to recognize the reward that Christ promised us. Let's make sure that we can be part of the righteous ones who live by faith.
0: Sometimes. job